In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Can you imagine there is a family in which all the members, father, mother, children, live in peace with each other. And each one in the family do his responsibility very well to each other. The father does his responsibility, the mother does her responsibility, children, and every time is committed to his work, his school, there is no fighting, there is no hatred, but there is no communication at all. They don't talk to each other, they don't deal with each other. It's just everyone knows his responsibility and he's doing it perfectly. Do you think this can be a happy family? Do you think this a happy family? Of course not. Although there is no fight, many times actually our relationship was God like this. The relational aspect in our relationship with God does not exist. Although we want to be good to God, I try not to lie, I try not to swear, I try not to do anything offensive. I come to the church, not necessarily I feel the prayer or I feel any connection with God, but I come to the church as a habit and I take communion and during the fast, maybe I fast, but I don't feel any relation, any connection with God. I pray like we prayed now the 12th hour of the Agbaya. I pray it, but after I prayed, I did not feel I am connected with God. It's just words coming from my mouth. Many of us in, in our relationship with God have no relationship, although we try to do duties. Fasting, coming to church, taking communion, maybe meeting with a Buna for confession once a month, etc. In, in, if you study his expectation and his relationship with us, God wants this to be a relational relationship. For example, he told us, I did not call you servant, but I called you friends. Because the servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I called you friends, and in some translation, I called you beloved. Because I told you about everything that I heard from the Father. And when he described our relationship with him, he said he is a groom and we are the bride. So it is like a husband and wife. Can you imagine husband and wife living together with no communication? Yet they don't hurt each other, but there is no communication. And also, our relationship with God the Father, he described as son or children-father relationship. And he taught us, when we pray, we say, our Father who art in him. Although indeed we can say our Master, our Lord, but we say our Father who art in him. And St. Paul actually, he called his ministry a ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation means to ask us to be reconciled with God. When I tell you I want you to reconcile with this person, what does this mean? 
I want to restore the relationship between you and this person. That's what reconciliation is about. And what is sin? Sin actually is a separation or ending this relationship with God. That's what sin. Sin, I start a relationship with the devil instead of having a relationship with God. I want this relational dimension in the worship to be in your mind all the time and to achieve and to, to see how to connect with God. Communion is not just standing in the line and taking communion. Communion is union, union with Christ. Prayer is not just words we read it from the Agbe. Prayer is a relationship with God. Confession is not just a list of sin. You can get it from one of the apps right now for confession and go read it to Abuna. Confession is I'm apologizing to my groom and ask his forgiveness so we be in relationship again. In the same way, reading the scripture, it is not just, okay, I have to read one chapter every day, so I read it and that's it. I want you to focus on this relational dimension. Especially this Monday will be Jonah's fast, and after two weeks will be the great fast. And usually the fast is a time for examining ourselves, returning to God, restoring our relationship with God. I'm sure you know Nineveh was a very, very wicked city to the extent that God decided to destroy this city, like he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah in the past. But out of his love, he sent them Jonah to give them a warning. And they actually tried to restore their relationship with God. And because there was restoration of this relationship with God, God forgives him. Because God does not desire the death of a sinner, but rather that he may return and live. God wants us to be reconciled with him. That's why, as he said in Revelation chapter 3, I'm standing at the door and knocking. If you open to me, I will go in and dine with you and you with me. God wants relationship with us. Let us learn from the people of Nineveh how they restored the relationship with God, how they reconciled themselves to God. And learning from them should be a lesson for us to apply it in our life. So we can benefit from the time of the fasting, whether it is Jonah's fast or the great fast, in building a stronger connection and a strong relationship with God. So please turn your Bible to Jonah chapter 3. I'm going to start reading from verse 4. Jonah chapter 3, starting from verse 4. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day walk. Then he cried out and said, 
Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the repentance, they started within these 40 days, which means during the 55 days of fast, by the end of the fast, there is a chance for each one of us to restore completely his relationship with God, regardless how far I am right now. I'm not saying we'll be sinless, but we be in relationship with God. Again, I'm not saying we will be sinless, because no one is sinless except God, but to be in connection with God, in relationship with God. So what did they do? Verse 5, so the people of Nineveh believed God. This is number one, believed God. Number two, proclaimed a fast. Number three, and put on sackcloth. Number four, from the greatest to the least of them. I will explain this, but just I want you to remember these points. Then the word came from the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Number five, cry mightily to God. Number six, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hand. Number seven, who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their works that they turned from their evil way, which means they are reconciled. And God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. So there are seven points I like to speak about. They believed in God, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. They cried mightily to God. Everyone turned from his evil way and from the violence that's in his hand. And they said, who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Let's speak about these seven points and how we restore our relationship with God. Number one, they believed God. Of course, all of us, we will say we believe God. But in reality, many times we don't. Believing God means believe all his promises, believe his forgiveness, believe in the eternal life, believe in the punishment of the sinners, believe in his warning that he issued to us. Meaning, if Jonah went to Nineveh and he told them after 40 days, God will destroy your city. And the people said, no, God will not destroy the city. Do you think they would have repented? 
No. This actually happened with the people during the time of Noah. God sent them through Noah. God will flood the world. And they did not believe him. That's why all of them perished by the flood. Again, during the time of Sodom and Gomorrah, God sent them two angels to warn the whole city. And nobody believed the angels except Lot and his two daughters. And everybody else perished in Sodom and Gomorrah. But the people of Nineveh believed God. God told us in the Sermon on the Mountain, he who curses his brother and says, foolish one, he deserves the fire of hell. Do you believe this? If you believe this, why you still curse one another? Either you believe it or not believe it. In the book of Revelation, we read that outside heaven and Jerusalem, all the liars. Do we lie? Do you believe that the liars will not enter heaven and Jerusalem? If you believe this, why you still lie until now? That's what I, I meant. We say we believe God, but in reality, many times we don't believe God. Or maybe we believe, yes, liars will not enter heavenly Jerusalem, but I will repent. I will stop lying. One day I will change my life. But who among us actually can guarantee that he will live 24 hours from now? None of us can guarantee this. And we need to be ready. And we need to take God seriously. If the people of Nineveh said, okay, we have this 40 days, maybe we can start repenting on the day 38. Do you think they would have repented? No, they wouldn't have repented. But they started immediately. When they heard the, the warning, they started immediately. That's why in the Bible, in the book of Hebrews, he said, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Today, it's not tomorrow. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. So if you want to restore your relationship with God, believe him right now and start from right now, not from tomorrow, not even from Monday when you say, okay, I will start with the beginning of Jonah's fast or I will start with the beginning of the great fast. Believe me, if you said I will start with the great fast, you will not start. You have to start tonight. You have to start today. You need to believe God, and you need to restore your relationship with God starting now. Now, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Number two. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast. Why? Why they proclaimed a fast? How fasting will benefit them in restoring their relationship with God? Why the church encourage us to fast? I know many of us complain, oh, we have many fasts in the church. We fast two-thirds of the year. And even those who try to fast, they think how to make it Easy fast, easy way. I look about uh, non-dairy cheese, non-dairy milk, non-dairy, you know, to make it easy on myself. 
You know, St. Paul told us the flesh fights or wars against the spirit, and the spirit wars against the flesh. If you let your flesh win the war, then you become a carnal person. Carnal person means led by the desires of the flesh. If you let your spirit win this war, you will be a spiritual person. Means you are led by the desires of the spirit. The spirit is breathed from God. So the spirit longs to have a relationship with God. And the flesh is taken from the dust of the earth. So the flesh longs to material things. So in fasting, when we fast properly, what will happen actually? You give your spirit opportunity to control your flesh and to control the desires and the lusts of the flesh. So you will become a spiritual person. That is the purpose of fasting. As St. Paul said, I submit my body and bring it into subjection, lest after I preach it others, I myself be disqualified. So if St. Paul, Paul is worried and concerned, lest he becomes disqualified, how much more we should worry and be concerned lest we become disqualified. And the way how St. Paul tried to win this war in the side of the spirit by disciplining his body and bringing it into subjection. And let me just ask you a question. What is the reason that makes anybody break the fast? The only justified reason is illness. And illness, I'm not speaking about just you have headache or flu. Illness and serious illness. You need to have certain diet. And this recommended by your physician. And even to those who are sick, we recommend to them, for example, if the physician told them you need to eat protein every day, chicken or or whatever, meat or whatever. We tell them, okay, you can take this protein just as a medicine. And then the rest of the day, you are fasting. If you need some milk, the physician told you you need to drink milk for calcium, for example. Okay, take the amount of milk that you need every day, but after this, you are fasting. So, the idea of disciplining my body and bring it into subjection is very important. You may tell me it is not convenient. Yes, it's not convenient. I agree with you. But we should do what's right, what's beneficial, and not what is what's convenient for us. I'm sure all of you, you are away from your homes and your hometown. And I'm sure this is not convenient. But you made this decision and you choose to come here for your career. So you choose this inconvenience in order to secure a career in which, if you graduated 22 and you're going to retire at 65, 
So here actually you're going to work for 43 years. And you go through this inconvenience. You study 22 years from your life just to work 45 years after this. What about the eternity that has no end? Don't you want to inconvenient yourself for some time for your eternity? So there is is no reason for anyone who says, you know what, I'm not going to fast, or I will fast the last 15 days. Here actually you are empowering your flesh. Not as St. Paul said, I discipline my flesh and bring it into subjection. You are empowering your flesh, so you will end up a carnal person, not a spiritual person. They proclaim a fast. Although they were pagan people, but they, they know indulgence and gluttony will actually suppress their spirituality. That's why they made this decision. They proclaimed a fast. Number three, put on sackcloth, and the king actually arose from his throne, laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. This means what? Putting on sackcloth and sitting in ashes. means two things. Asceticism to Again, what is the point of asceticism? It's discipline, to discipline your, your, your body and the desires of the flesh. Not to be preoccupied with what we eat, what we drink, what we wear. Your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. It is time, actually, during this fast, at least during this fast, to reconsider what we buy. Many, many things, actually, we buy things we wanted, but we don't need them. There is a big difference between what we need and what we want. And the church encourages us during fasting to give. Okay, if I'm giving my tithe regularly. So what I'm going to give more during this fast? Actually, if during this fast you limit what you get only to what you need, not to what you want. And the difference between what you're going to spend on what you want and what you need, you send it to the poor in addition to the tithe that you, you, you give it to God then actually you will be blessed. Blessed are the merciful for the shepherd in mercy. That is the meaning of sitting in ashes and putting on sackcloth. It's time actually to experience how to live with contentment. As St. Paul said, if we have food and cloth, it's enough. During the fasting time, it's time to experience how to live with contentment, only to think about what you need, not what you want. And when you want something, but you know it, you don't need it, then this amount of money, give it to the poor. Because some poor people, they don't have 
of what they need. So at least if you have what you need, give the extra to the poor. And ashes remind us with the lake of fire. For example, how Sodom and Gomorrah turned into ashes. So sitting in ashes remind us that with repentance, with asceticism, with returning back to God, with reconciliation with God, we will not be burned with fire in the last day. So, in a way, if we sat on ashes here, we will not be sitting in ashes there. That's why the Catholic Church, until now, the first day of the fasting, they call it Ash Wednesday. That's the first day. The believers go to the church, and the church, the priest, make a sign of the cross on their forehead with ashes. To remind them with what they used to do in the Old Testament. So even if we don't have this practice in the Orthodox Church, but the principle is there. The principle of asceticism and reconciling with God, restoring our relationship with God, in order not to be exposed to the lake of fire in the last day, this principle should be in our mind. They believed in God, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth, they sat on ashes. Number four, from the greatest to the least of them. From the greatest to the least of them. It is a communal fast. When I choose not to fast, I'm not only losing some blessing in my life, but I am weakening the fasting of my brothers and sisters in the Lord. When we fast together, we actually empower each other. Our fasting actually empowers the fasting of others. But if one of us decided not to fast, then actually he will weaken the fast of the community. For example, if one organ in your body is not functioning well, the rest of your body will suffer. And we are members in the, the same body, the body of Christ. And here I want also to focus on from the greatest to the least. It can interpret it in two ways. Greatest in position to the least in position. And it can be interpreted from the oldest to the youngest. And the church all the time didn't know that some people will be excluded from fast. Even children. Everyone should participate in fasting. Everyone. Children, adults, or elder people. Yes, some people, if they need certain type of food or whatever, it can be given to them, as I explained. Given to them. But other than this, they are fasting. Because all of us, we should participate with one spirit, with one soul. If we believe that we are one in Christ, then all of us should be fasting together. Not say, no, I, I, I will make my own rule for the fast. It's a communal fast. Of course, as I told you, they were pagan. So 
they don't understand exactly how to do it right. That's why they even let the beasts fast with them. Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock taste anything. But this shows their seriousness, their seriousness to make it a point that everyone, every living creature is fasting right now. Because sometimes parents say, oh, my son is still 10 years old. No, 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 he will not fast. It's okay. No, he should fast. Well, why he shouldn't? We said, believe in God, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth and sat on ashes from the greatest to the least of them. Number five, verse eight, they cry mightily to God. Cry mightily to God. He did not say prayer, but he said cry mightily to God. If a person is drowning or in a fire, how we would ask for help? He would be screaming. He will be crying. This should be our situation. And when I'm saying crying, it is not just with your voice, but crying mightily from your heart. When you stand before God and pray, the prayer should come from the depth of your heart. As David said, out of the depth of my heart, I cry to the Lord. Many times, the word I cry to the Lord was repeated in the book of Psalms because David knows what prayer is. Fasting and prayer work together and during the great fast you will hear several, several times in the hymns of the church, in the prayers of the church, in the praises of the church, you will hear fasting and prayer, fasting and prayer, fasting and prayer. Fasting doesn't work alone. Do you remember when the disciples couldn't cast out the demon from the hand of And they asked the Lord, why couldn't we cast out this demon? The Lord told them, because this kind cannot come out by anything except by prayer and fasting. Both prayer and fasting. Why prayer and fasting? Because in prayer I get the grace from God, and fasting, that's my effort, and both should work together. I need the grace of God, and I need to do my part in fighting. Repentance and restoring our relationship with God is actually a warfare or a war with the devil. And if you want to win this war, you need fasting and prayer. You need both of them together. Some people, they fast, but they don't pray. And that's why they come at the end and say, but I did not benefit anything from fasting. Yes, you will not benefit anything from fasting if your fasting is not associated with prayer. And prayer is not just words come from your mouth, but crying mightily to the Lord. Crying mightily to the Lord comes from the depth of your heart. I told you sin is starting a relationship with the devil and ending my relationship with God. That's why if you want to end this relationship with the devil and to restore your relationship with God, you need actually to fast and pray 
Because without fasting and prayer, you cannot cast out this demon. You cannot defeat this demon. In order to defeat this demon, you need to fast and pray, as the Lord said. That's why cry mightily to God. And number six, he said, yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hand, which is repentance. Repentance is like making U-turn. When we sin, we are going far away from God. When we repent, we are making a relationship with God and returning back to Repentance is turning away from our evil way. Repentance is turning away from violence in our head. And here, through the Holy Spirit, you need to examine yourself and try to write down the weak point in your life. And the weak point in your life will be under one or more of these three categories. Love of money, love of pleasure, and love of pride. These are the three things. After you write down what are your weaknesses, you need actually asking the grace of God to help you to do 180 degree turning on the other side. For example, if you are cursing, not only to stop cursing, but to turn your tongue to say word of blessing, word of praise. If somebody is not honest and is stealing, he needs to do the opposite, which is to give. Who said this actually? St. Paul. St. Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, he taught us that repentance is not only stopping what's wrong, but as I told you, to do 180% the opposite. For example, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, he said, putting away lying, what is the opposite? Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for our members of one another. In, in verse 28, let him who stole steal no longer. Okay, that's the negative. That's what I'm going to stop. And what is the opposite? But rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. I'll not only stop stealing, but I will work hard to give those who has need. Verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. That's what I'm going to stop. But what I'm going to do, but what is good, for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. So it's not only stopping to say corrupt words, but to say good words to impart grace to the hearer. 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. That's what I'm going to stop. What I'm going to do. But be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgives you. Many times in repentance, only we think about 
what we should stop. But that's not enough. Turning away is not to stop going in the right, in the wrong direction. It's not only to stop this relationship with the devil, but to restore your relationship with God. To go in the other direction. That's why in baptism, after the godparents or the person himself renounced Satan, means I ended my relationship with Satan, you are not my master anymore, immediately he looked at the east and confessed Christ. Now my journey with Christ, my relationship with Christ will start. And the last point, number seven, who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? It is hope and confidence in the promises of God that when we do this, God will reconcile with us. God is happy to reconcile with us. God wants to reconcile with us. God wants us just to return to him, to return to him, and he will accept us. Think about the prodigal son. He returned, and maybe I can say he returned for the wrong reason. Because he did not find food. That's why he wanted to go to his father's house, just to find something to eat. But the father received him and forgave him and restored him to his sonship. God is waiting for our return. And Satan will try to convince you with the opposite. Satan will try to tell you God doesn't love you. God will not accept you. After all what you have done, do you think God will accept you? Repentance is not for you. He will put all this in your mind. But these people, they did not listen. I'm sure they were under strong attack from the devil. But they did not listen to the devil. And they had hope that God would forgive them. And they became an example. God told us the people of Nineveh will stand in the day of judgment and condemn this generation because they have repented by the preaching of Jonah. And now greater is Jonah is here. So they did not only repent and God accepted them, but they, in the last day, they will condemn the generation that heard the word of Christ and did not repent. And God listened to them. When God saw their works and that they turned from their evil way, God relented from the disaster that he had sent, he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Again, God is inviting all of us tonight to return back, to restore our relationship. Or if we are in a relationship, already, then how to deepen this relationship, to make it more stronger, because the relationship of God has no end. And usually, usually there is growth every day, because he is infinite. So our relationship with him has no end. So if you are going in the opposite direction, it is now time to make a U-turn and return back to him. And if you are already in a relationship with him, take this time to deepen 
this relationship, to make it stronger, to make this bond stronger with God. And the more actually you make this relationship with God, the more you yourself will be transformed. Because the relationship with God is transformational. It transforms us, as St. Paul said, looking at the face of God with unveiled face, we will be transformed from glory to glory to that image. Second Corinthians chapter 3. Looking at the face of the Lord with unveiled face will be transformed, will be changed from glory to glory to that image. Which image? The image that we lost with the fall of Adam and Eve. The image of God and the likeness of God that we lost it with the fall. I hope with the beginning of the fast. Also, I said we should not wait until Monday. We should start from tonight, from now. I hope this fast will be a transformational fast to all of us, in which we are transformed from glory to glory to the image and the likeness of the Son of God. Glory be to God.